0: Hey everyone, Aaron Stewart. This is our first live at the Little Black Couch. And thank you for being here. If you found this page, it's because you want to be, or are, or love entrepreneurship, as do I. And um, I wanted to start this by sharing why I love entrepreneurship, and why it's become such a big part of it. Yes, I had a grandfather that was an entrepreneur. My father is a, an entrepreneur. He's had his own business as long as I can remember. And I originally went to school to not be an entrepreneur. I took some entrepreneur courses. I was interested in it. Obviously, had been raised in a family that was one. But my mind was I wanted to be in the corporate world. And so I went to school. I got my master's degree from, a, uh, from Thunderbird, an international business school, and I got a job. And this job seemed like the dream job for me. I was going to travel the world. This company was uh, named American, the American Gilsonite Company, which Gilsonite is a mineral out in the east side of Utah. It's an, uh, an asphalt-based product that's dug out of the ground. It's mined out of a little town called Bonanza, Utah. And by little, I mean tiny. Really, it's just the company there. And uh, I actually got to go out and be in the mines, and that was part of what they did when they brought me on. But they brought me on. I graduated from Thunderbird with a degree in international finance and marketing, and I was brought in as the international marketing director, which meant essentially that um, we were operating in 56 different countries through distributors, and I had to visit them half, half of them a year. I'm like, okay, that's great. I went to school to be in international business. Um, uh, American Gilsonite company was a subsidiary of Chevron. So I had this, like this corporate gig, right. Where I could probably work up in the big, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the, in Chevron, you know, if I was, if I did a good job. And so I was excited to go. So I started to travel a lot. I would usually travel six months. I mean, six weeks out and be home for four weeks and then go back out. And when I was out, I'd usually hit, you know, five to 10 countries at a time, just depending on how much business we had. It was during one of these trips. I landed in a place called Lahore, Pakistan, which, let me see if I can, oh, you know what? I didn't even show you our, let me show you our fancy logo. Oh, ah, the little black couch. I will explain the little black, black couch in a little bit. Um, but, so let me bring up, so Lahore, Pakistan, let me bring that up really quick, is here. And I'll zoom out a little bit so you can see so, Pakistan is right next to Afghanistan, uh, sandwiched in between India and Afghanistan. And uh, so, yeah, I flew into this little place called Lahore. I was in Amsterdam before I went to Lahore. Amsterdam's a cool town. I really like it. And uh, I hopped in, I got onto a, a Pakistani air airplane, and I knew instantly that, it was going, that, that I was going to someplace different. Uh, One, I was in business class, so that was fortunate, but I was given a metal tray, and we were to eat off metal trays, like a lunchroom tray, and they would literally ladle stuff, food, onto our tray, and I'm like, I don't like this, I'm never flying Pakistani air again, Uh, it didn't look good, it didn't smell good, I didn't dare taste it, and I didn't, I literally lived off power bars for the whole two weeks I was in Pakistan, so we fly down there and we land in Pakistan. And I know that there's a problem because as they come around to their final landing, there is no lights on the runway, but they have positioned uh, a couple cars down at the end of the runway with their headlights on, which I could see from the airplane as we were coming in. My father's a, a, a pilot, um, a small plane pilot. So I, I kind of got what was going on and I wasn't, you know, obviously not thrilled. These were, this, this runway was not properly lit um, when the plane landed, everybody there was a great big rousing cheer of applause, which I'm not used to, that we would safely landed. Uh, I was starting to freak out a little bit. I got off the plane and went in to get my luggage, and I, I, I traveled with this huge, big Samsonite uh, piece of luggage, and I put everything in my, my belongings in there, and I would wheel it around. It was basically indestructible. I mean, this thing absolutely took a beating and just kept on ticking. And so I went out to wait for my luggage and there was just hordes of people that they were keeping out of this luggage area. And uh, down at the end of the luggage area, I could hear somebody pulling on a motor. And it was an old, old little conveyor system. And literally, it's like he was starting a a lawnmower. Started it up, there was a little puff of smoke, and then my one bag came wandering to me. There was no other, there was a couple hideous boxes, but just, I was the only piece of luggage there. And it came waddling up at, I, I don't know, one-eighth a mile an hour. I, I must have been there for 30 minutes before it finally made it up to me. They wouldn't allow you to go back and get anywhere near it. So I took my bag off and started walking. I didn't know what I was going to do. There was hordes of people. Well, a man came at me and asked me if I needed a ride and that he had a taxi. And I'm like, yeah, great. And he spoke pretty good English, A little had a heavy accent. But as I was walking with him, I noticed that, that his hand was cut off. Like it was totally gone and it was wrapped in gauze and there was blood all over it. And I'm like, this is not awesome, right? I don't know what happened to the guy's hand, but, oh, but he's the only one that they allowed him to talk to me. He seems official. He had like a little name tag on. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go with this guy. I don't know what else to do. I, I changed some of, uh, I, I changed some dollars into rupees and so I was ready to go. And so I kind of wandered through, and he got up to this, he got up to where the, just the the throngs of people were, and and they opened up the rope so we could go through, and there was a big guy there who he told me was his brother, and they started just sort of, they sandwiched me in between them, and the big guy just kind of opened it up, and we kind of rustled through these folks, and people kept kind of pawing us and asking for money, and it was just, it was brutal. And we got out into the parking lot. And as we started walking out, they said, you know, we need to hurry. And I'm like, okay. And I look over my shoulder. Well, this this group of people just followed us out. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so we went over and we got into the car. And um, as as we try to get into the car, the group kind of forms around the car. And there's like, we're not going anywhere. And they start rocking the car. And um, the guys try to put it in drive and go. And they're banging on and stuff. So the only thing I could think of, and they kept asking for money for dollars, dollars, dollars. And I'm like, I don't have any dollars, right? I changed my money into rupees. So all I could think of doing was to roll down the window and take the rupees that I had. And I had probably, I don't know, it wasn't much, a hundred bucks or something. And I just threw the money. And people just went crazy, but it opened it up enough where they could get out of there. Ugh. anyway, we get to the hotel. Um, and, and getting to the hotel was ridiculous. There was, there was was uh, There was, you know, mopeds, you remember those Trail 90s Hondas? There was mopeds and Trail 90s and, and there was like eight people stacked on and then baskets, I mean, it's stuff you've never seen before. It smelled like exhaust smoke. Um, we had the windows down because it was so hot. It was still like 100 degrees and it was night. And we drove to the, they drove me to this uh, hotel. Um, and once we got there, they searched under the car with the mirrors, the whole thing, and I got in, I went to bed. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I don't think I can do this for much longer. This is stressful, Um, but I didn't have a choice. This was my job. I couldn't say, I don't want to go to Pakistan again. They were gonna make me go to Pakistan again. If I wanted to get paid, I was gonna have to go to Pakistan again. So this was going through my head. Uh, A few days later, um, I hopped into a car with our distributor, and I was in the passenger seat, and he was driving, and again, this is midday. It's 100, I don't know, 10 to 20 degrees. It's brutally hot. It's really um, one of the few countries where I wasn't required to wear a shirt and tie. So I'm just in like a a, a very light cotton shirt, like everybody else, just to sort of fit in. It's just so hot. Nobody really wore t- wears ties or anything. Wear like kind of these tunic things. Anyway, so and, and the distributor was in one of them sandals, whatever. So we're driving along, and we're going to to meet um, a, a paint distributor, a paint producer who's a distributor. And we get to, we pull into this, this, this compound It's the only thing you can call it. And it's surrounded by, by fence, chain wire. And then it's got this, you know, the huge barbed rolls of, of, uh, you know, barbed wire or something at the top but it's the rolls, right? The really vicious looking, you know, really horrible things. And so we kind of pull in there, we go through the gate, tell them who we are, they let us in the, interestingly enough, the, the, the building that we were going to was only like half a story above the ground, which was weird, right? Fascinating. But I learned later that it's because it's so hot there that they try to keep things underground to try to keep it cool. So we go into this building and there's a few buildings around. We go into the obviously the main building that's in the center and we go downstairs and it is downstairs. The whole building's in the ground, uh, except for a line of windows essentially to let natural light in, which is kind of cool, kind of an interesting design. We go in, uh, we check in at the front desk, and this this room is organized. It's just one great big open room, and you've got desks all over, and then in the very center, you've got a big desk with a dude behind it, and he's obviously the boss. He's the guy, right? But there's also four armed guards on each corner and an extra one there at the entry as we're going in, and as we go in, we get searched, which, I mean, whatever. And then we go in and we sit down in this waiting area. And by waiting area, I mean it's like four chairs up against the wall. And so we're sort of positioned this way. um, And the dude is over there in the middle. And uh, we just wait. And wait. And wait. Um, An hour goes by. We're still sitting there. The guy's at his desk. He hasn't looked up once. Some people have come up and talked to him. He's talked to them. We're completely ignored. (laughs) I'm <laughs> real. Anyway, he then invites us while well, he tells his little gal who comes over and tells this other person who tells us that we can come. I mean, very, very interesting. We come and we sit down and he doesn't look up. We sit down, keeps his head down, keeps his head down. And then he comes up slowly with kind of a, you know, cruel, mean sort of, a, I don't know, he's trying to scare us something. And he starts talking um, and he's trying to, he's trying to speak in English and um, not, not great. Um, so they start talking and, uh, and then he comes back to me in English and essentially the whole thing is we, we were providing gilsonite that mineral to be mixed into their paint because it makes it very, it made it very hard, very, uh, very black, very shiny. It it just made it, um, it's, it's excellent. It's an excellent source to make a paint very, very inert. It lasts forever. It's, it was nasty, dirty stuff, but it did amazing things in ink, paint, and road base, honestly. And so we're sitting there talking to him, and he basically, he just asks me for a lower price. I mean, that's it. There was no like, how are you, where are you from, nothing. He obviously had some disdain for Americans or something, Westerners, Christians, I don't know, whatever it was. But he had some great disdain for me, and I could sense this. And so he starts asking me for a lower price. And I'm like, well, no, you know, you're already getting a super good price and based on your volumes. I mean, it's all formulated, right? It's not like, and, and, and who am I, right? I, I, I've been working there maybe a year at this point. I don't know. Uh, I, no, I mean, here's our price list. This is how much you buy. It's pretty simple. Here are your shipping costs. It's pretty much a done deal. Unless you want to buy more, you don't get another price break. Well, it's about this time. <laughs> that I feel a little gun nozzle at the back of my head. So I've got an AK-47 now at the back of my head. And uh, he asks me again if I can give him a lower price. And I smiled and said, yeah, absolutely. I'll give you a, a lower price. In my head, I'm thinking, you're a jerk. I'm not giving you... Not, not only am I not giving you a lower price, we're never going to sell to you again. Um, but that's when I thought, you know what? I, I don't care if he buys any more Gilsonite. And frankly, I don't care if I ever sell Gilsonite again. I'm done. Um, and that was it. I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to figure something out. I'm going to go in business for myself. There is no need for me to be sitting halfway across the world with a gun to the back of my house, a gun to the back of my head uh, with no social life, nothing going on. um, A per diem that I never spent for this to be stuck in 120 degrees in the middle of essentially sand down in a hole with an AK, AK 47 at the back of my head. Um, lying to somebody that I'd give them a lower price when I had no intent to do so. And that was it. That was the moment where I said, you know what, entrepreneurship's for me. We've all had our moments where we decided, hey, we're going into the business for ourselves and we're going to figure this thing out. My history has been, that was back in 1997, I started my first business in 1999. We've been going at it ever since 20 years. I've raised a couple good-sized businesses. I've uh, serviced Fortune, Fortune 100 companies and build um, technologies and solutions for them. I've had a good run, a really good run. Uh, I went back to school and got my doctorate in organizations and management with my emphasis in entrepreneurship. After what I saw from traveling around, I wanted to study what makes people want to become entrepreneurial. And so my research project for my dissertation was studying what education had with the effects that it had on one's entrepreneurial perception. And it's positive. It's highly positively correlated. And it was especially so in third world countries, which was important to me after what I had experienced and seen. And I will go into all this as we continue this entrepreneurship journey together as I share stories and different things that happened to me to get me to where I am at this point in my life. So I have studied entrepreneurship, I have a doctorate in it, I have been an entrepreneur, I have seen great success and I've had my struggles. And all of this that we're gonna do here in the Little Black Couch podcast and videocast will be about that, will be about helping all of you who are interested in being entrepreneurs get there more quickly than I did, to find success more quickly than I did, to find the platforms, the technologies, the strategies, all of that to make your life one where you have control of it and nobody tells you you have to go to Lahore, Pakistan to earn a paycheck. Um, That's what this podcast is going to be all about. And I'm looking forward to it. I've got a lot to share. I've got a lot of ideas. As far as the name, The Little Black Couch, um, I have sitting over here, and I don't know if I could show it to you, but I have sitting over here uh, a little black couch. And this little black couch has, when I started my first business, I was in, when I started my first business, I was, I rented a little executive space and I basically had a little one room office. There was like nine of them in this building and we shared the same bathroom and we were always sort of talking about how one another were doing, and I had some good business stuff came out of that little group, but there was one guy down at the end, and he was moving to a bigger office, which is kind of what we were all there for, right? We knew eventually if you grew your business big enough, you would go get your own office space, and you wouldn't share with everybody else, and you'd get your own bathroom, right? That was a big deal. Um, We had one bathroom, and we all shared it and there was probably, I don't know, 30 of us in there. So it was all hit and miss and never smelled good. Um, but that was just part of this going out on our own and being entrepreneurs and small business owners. Anyway, he was moving on and he wasn't taking this little black couch. So he came to me and said, hey, do you know do you want this? We negotiated, went back and forth. I ended up buying it for about 200 bucks. It's a tiny couch. I'll definitely let you see it at some point. Um, but it's been with me the whole time. And this little black couch represents a lot. I've, I've got piles of books on it right now. Sometimes there's a pillow and a blanket on it and I take a nap. Sometimes I sit there just to think. Uh, sometimes I kneel at it and pray because things are so bad. I've cried on that stupid couch. I've rested on the couch. I've talked to the couch when I had nobody else around to listen to me. I've uh, strategized with the couch. I mean, this thing has been with me this whole time. And so that's the name of the podcast. It's a weird name. I get it. But uh, this thing kind of represents to me the journey. And it's seen all of it. And if it it could talk, I would be frightened at what it would say. Because this journey hasn't been an easy one. But it's been really rewarding and very cool. And um, I'm now 52 years old been doing this for over 20 years and um, I look forward to sharing it with you. So let's get going. This is kind of gets us kicked off. I will be on periodically when we have things to talk about. I did uh, just finish up an interview with a gentleman by the name of Stephen Larson. He will probably be our next podcast. Um, he's an interesting guy, uh, definitely an entrepreneur and definitely somebody who's making uh, the way on, on his own terms. And it, it was a cool interview. We'll I look forward to having you take a look at it and see what you think. But until that begins, until next time, Aaron Stewart signing off from the Little Black Couch. Thanks.